When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Running, running, and running. There's no disrespect, so when I bust my rhyme, you break your necks. We got five minutes for us to Welcome, everybody. I'm your host, Roz, here at the opening line on the Believe Podcast Network. Do you believe? If so, it's time to get started. Let's go. Let's get into it. Comes into Jordan. Here's Michael at the foul line. A shot on Elo. Good. Let's get it started. What's up? What's up, everybody? This is the opening line with your host, Wits and Roz. We are back. Another glorious week. It is sunny here in California. There was some snow in Chicago, so I'm making out like a bandit here. In uh, sunny LA, Wits, I hear the snow is uh, is good for you because you're in a bit of a spell, and we're talking about Game of Thrones here. Winter is still coming for you since you're still only on season five. I just watched the most recent ep- recent episode. I'm very excited for you to catch up and get to that point. How's uh, how's the freezing cold winter's coming moments? Winter is coming, and it's coming in hot. Um, I think I've watched five seasons in about a month, which is a lot of TV for wits. Um, every free minute I have, I'm watching Game of Thrones, so I'm trying to catch up because I just I can't take the suspense anymore. But yeah, funny you mentioned the snow, Roz. It was uh, it snowed eight inches in Chicago by my house on Sunday, and right now it is 70 degrees outside. So pretty drastic, pretty drastic change there. The snow was on the ground for about one day, and it was a perfect day to snow eight inches because that was Master Sunday. So after bowling, came home and popped my butt on the couch for about three hours. Real nice having early morning golf. I was a big fan. Um, and obviously, for you, you were a big fan. I mean, over here, I was just talking about how great the weather was, but I had to get up at six in the morning, rocking, oh, you. rocking a pretty uh, doozy hangover. I'll be honest, we had some tequila the night before. We celebrate here on the opening line. And I had to get up at 6, but I did what every golf fan, sports fan should ever do. I woke up at 6, put Jim Nance on, got the good morning and the good welcome, fell back asleep for an hour to Jim Nance's voice, a little bit of the Masters music in the background. Now, on the grand scheme of things, is there anything better than a Sunday morning of the Masters with Jim Nance and the Masters music? And, let's add, when Tiger Woods is in contention. There was there was really nothing like it. I mean, Jim Nance has a voice of a god, whether it comes to golf, football, basketball. I mean, the guy, I wish the guy could narrate my life, kind of like, you know, in like Bruce Almighty. He's just the god figure watching over everything that I do. He's got such a magical voice. And, man, when Tiger's in contention, it was the most tuned in to Master Sunday of all time. Um, and with very good reason, because Tiger Woods was in contention, as we all know. Now he took home the title, first major since 2008. 
um, the U.S. Open. First win at Augusta since 2005. Um, and, Roz, because this is a sports gambling show, I think we have to bring up the bet that was made at the William Hill Sportsbook at the SLS Casino in Las Vegas. A guy who was supposedly placing his first bet ever decided to put 85 large, $85,000 on Tiger Woods to win at 14-1 odds. So that comes out to a cool $1.19 million. Not bad for a first bet. Um, okay, so let's, let's be exciting. careful about this first bet. Me, me and my roommates were talking about this. He was $25,000 in debt, and I get that. There's college tuition, there's a lot of other things, car payments, mortgages, all that stuff. And we're going to talk about we're going to talk about a bet that I made a long time ago with you on our old show the Sporting Edge about Tiger never winning another major again, but we'll get back to that in a second. Goes to Vegas. We we're calling him out. Spade a spade. This guy is a gambling addict. That's why he's in debt. That's why he threw 85 large to win 1.19 million, and now he's out of the hole. Now he's just having fun. I think he goes back to net or it goes back to Vegas next weekend, and we're seeing him at the tables. That's what I'm getting. He's like uh he's like Matt Damon and Rounders. You know, he's down 30 grand going in playing KGB, gets back to even, and he takes him for 30 more grand um and then he's right back where he started plus plus a couple thousand so that's a i feel like this guy he's on a heater hopefully he keeps some of that money um but yeah what an unbelievable i don't know if it was his first bet maybe he's lying maybe he's telling the truth but pretty unbelievable um and what what a son what a master sunday it must have been for that guy because i was i was all jacked up and i just we have our 50 dollars golf major pool that i was getting all hot and bothered about which I wasn't even close, and I picked Tiger, by the way. I picked Tiger and Ricky. We'll get into Ricky in a second, but I picked Tiger. wasn't even close, but it definitely helped keep me jazzed. Yeah, and Ricky, another another disappointing finish, um, but I think I think he'll get his major eventually. It just didn't have to be this Sunday, but Roz, let's talk a little bit about Tiger. Um, I know that growing up, we were really young. I mean, Tiger Woods. Best player in the world by far, was in contention almost every tournament. And then we had almost a decade break where we had uh, some scandalous activity going on by Tiger. We had a lot of injuries. Had uh, just an overall kind of weird period for golf because Tiger Woods, what he's meant to golf over the past 25 years, I think almost unparalleled by any other athlete in any sport, I think in the history of sports. Um, and the fact that he was able to come back and win, I think, is, might be the biggest tournament in golf next to the U.S. Open. It was it was very special. And seeing the picture of Tiger when he first won compared to now, I mean, obviously he's he's a lot older. No road um, game in that time. We uh, no not a lot game. of road game. Yeah, keep that hat on. Keep the Nike hat on. But you know, seeing him, you know, with the embrace of his dad after that first major that he won, and then. You know, hugging his son after this one, it was it was super special. Um, that's like that's what makes sports fan. sports. You know, it that mm-hmm. that image right there was one of the more incredible. And we're we're gonna joke around a lot on this show, but honestly, most incredible moments. I it brings a tear to your eye. I'm not a father yet, but Jim Nance said it best. If you are a father or a parent and you didn't tear up a little bit seeing that moment, I mean, come on, you you can't be human. Uh, it was great, and it's sad, obviously, because of the passing of his father a while ago. But uh, it's nice to see his kids being a part of there after all the scandals and all the other stuff that happened after 2009 
But uh, you're right. That was a truly special moment, and we still got to listen to Jim Nance narrate that, literally narrating his life. Yeah, and even after, you know, when they had to sit down with the top amateur, Tiger, uh, Patrick Reed, the head of the Masters, and Jim Nance, I mean, the way Jim Nance is able to operate a room is is unbelievable. Um, but, you know, getting back to Tiger, you know, we had, like I said, the back surgeries, and, you know, at a point where we were doing our old show, where I remember we, we both thought that Tiger Woods would not only never be back and win a major, but wouldn't even be in contention. And over the past couple of years, Kind of start to having those those sec those doubts those second thoughts about it because you're like hey you know he's up there every once in a while like maybe he'll actually do it and this is the time he actually did it and he's actually never come back from a 54 hole deficit to come in to a major victory um, so it was the first time he did that and yeah it was it was truly unbelievable and just a sports moment that I, I don't think you'll ever forget and I heard you know two. Two women that work in my office were, you know, 65, 70 years old were talking about it. And I was like, wow, like everybody must have been watching the Masters on Sunday because if they're talking about it, it was just it was unbelievable. It was great to see. Um, I feel like, you know, as a sports fan, no matter what sport you're watching, people love to see, you know, winners and especially a guy who was at the top of his sport for so long to see him come back to the top. I think it makes it even that more special. Um, but you know what? People love winning. And Tiger Woods has been a winner all his life, and we had a decade where he really didn't win at all, and now he's back on top of the golf world. And golf is a lot more exciting now because there's so much talent out there right now um, that it just, I think it just makes it that much better. Right, and I, I'm going to move into this next part of the my apology tour for Tiger Woods. Unlike Skip Bayless, unlike Stephen A., I can admit when I'm wrong. And Wits, I'm going to ask you the question. So I'll start with the question just so you have time to think. What's your biggest regret in terms of a sports opinion you've made and verbalized, put out in the universe? Because I, I now have mine. And if we want to hear yours, fans, direct message us on Instagram at EthanRose4 or at Xander Horowitz. Reach out to us on all platforms. Mine is very clear. And if you're listening to the show and want to hear mine, you can go back and search the Sporting Edge on LibertyTalk.fm. I said at one point I would bet a mortgage if I had one, all my life savings, which is not much now, and anything else in my worldly possession that Tiger Woods would never win another major. That was put to rest. That is uh, no longer something I can claim, as he has. His first since 2009. Uh and he proved it to me in an awesome fashion. I mean, I wasn't rooting against him. Let my opinion be. It was a tremendous Masters. Fighting with Dustin Johnson. Uh, I almost botched Johnson there. Brooks Kepka, Xander Shoffley, Jason Day, all the way down to the line. Ricky Fowler even there at the end. We saw some amazing play from Bubba Watson out of nowhere. I know he finished in 12th. Justin Thomas made a run of it. Had a fucking awesome hole-in-one. I mean, I had to, had to swear on that one. It was insane. But Wits, what is one of those opinions you've blurted? I know you were not our friend with the Jay Cutler claim, but give me, give me an absurd sports opinion you have to go back on. And if it's something about Andy Dalton, feel free to let it rip. <laughs> That's funny. I can't really think of anything as absurd as what you said about Tiger, but at the time it seemed pretty relevant. Um, so you know, we'll talk a little bit about Andy Dalton. I, I thought that the Cincinnati Bengals were going to win the Super Bowl three years ago, then last year going into the season. Um, so kind of weak on the absurdity, but I thought Andy Dalton 
uh, the red hat. I think Matt. just your love for Andy Dalton is the worst sports opinion in in the world currently. Yeah, it, it was pretty rough, and I, I remember how happy I was when he signed that big contract a few years ago. Um, but yeah, that's all I can think of right now. I'll try to get one for next week, but I don't know if I didn't have a claim like Tiger. I always thought that he might come back, so I didn't explicitly say that he would never come back. Um, but yeah, Andy Dalton winning a Super Bowl two times over was uh, definitely something looking back that I, I wish I could take back. But you know, time goes on. Well, just as time goes on, we're going to go on. My last congratulations to Tiger Woods. That's a masterful feat. See what I did there? Put the little masters, little masterful feat. Anyways, it was fantastic to watch. I'm very excited for the next three majors. Tiger has won at this year's U.S. Open as well as the uh, British Open. So if there was a sports miracle to be made it would be a calendar grand slam by tiger woods that's the odds are improbable but here at the opening line we're ripping in those lines uh but again congratulations to tiger we've got something else going on in the sports world not typically our favorite wits but it's the nba playoffs uh, we usually know the outcome. It's usually the Golden State Warriors are going to win it all. And I say usually because I had an epiphany last night. Sitting there for the first time watching an NBA playoff game this year, something says the Warriors could lose. But let's not start with that. Let's start with the Eastern Conference. We'll go with the Boston Celtics currently playing against the Pacers. This is... Your pick and my pick to win the Eastern Conference, I, for me, I think they're the most well-rounded team. I think their players have been here before. They have the depth needed, and that young talent they used to have is a little bit older. I think they're going to be strong in this year's postseason, especially going up against teams that are either new or have way too many young stars on their team. I like Boston. I know they're in a dogfight currently with the Indianapolis Pacers up two at half. Indianapolis. What? I didn't know they were a football team now. Indian. What? Oh, the Indiana Pacers. I apologize. They are in Indianapolis, but they go by the Indiana Pacers. Good call. Uh, give me what you think so far in terms of this series. Obviously, Boston took game one in, or by 10, a low-scoring effort. Obviously, game two is looking a little bit different, but how do you feel about Boston so far? Yeah, I mean, I, my opinion on Boston hasn't changed, and it's funny, 84-74. I mean, you don't see scores like that in the NBA anymore. I mean, looking at Clips Warriors the other night, 135 to 131. 76ers took down the Nets, 145 to 140 or 123. So to see an 84-74 game, it kind of brings you back um, when they actually played a little bit of defense in the NBA. But yeah, you know, I still like the Celtics in this one. I think the Pacers are a solid team, but. You know, without their star player, Victor Oladipo, I think it's going to be tough, you know, to get past anybody, let alone the Celtics. Um, so I'm really looking to the second round here where I think the Celtics are going to for sure face off against the Bucks. And, you know, the Bucks in game one just absolutely dismantled the Pistons. Um, not surprised by it. I think they're just a far superior team, and especially a one-versus-eight matchup. I don't think we're going to have a good series here. But I'm really looking forward. I think the best second-round matchup you know, I'm looking at Golden State-Houston, if Houston can make it through. But Milwaukee versus the Celtics, I think, is going to be a very good series. Um, and if Boston can put everything together, I think they're going to be able to make a run. Um, but they need to get past the Pacers first. We're only starting game two tonight. So we'll see where this goes. But we are, uh, we're full into the NBA playoffs now. We've got a 
couple storylines, one of them being uh, Joel Embiid and Amir Johnson on their phones, or on Amir Johnson's phone. Um, that was an interesting one, a lot of drama. But, yeah, I think Celtics-Bucks is going to be a great second-round matchup here. Right, and I think we're going to do something interesting here. We're going to tie into what's the craze of the world right now, and that's Game of Thrones. We open the show with it. We're going to use a segment here, which I think you might enjoy this. We're going to relate, not every team, but most teams, to a Game of Thrones character. So the example being is, to me, the Golden State Warriors are Cersei. All right, they're the Lannisters. They're the worst. They're the perennial favorites. They've been in control of the kingdom the entire time, and that translates obviously as Golden State has been in control of the NBA for the last five years. It seems like. Give me, give me what you think the Celtics and what you think the Bucks are, because for me the Bucks is Jon Snow. I want to see if you kind of agree. Uh, I mean, we're talking a little bit in tongues here because I'm only through five and a half seasons. I have seen. I haven't ruined anything for you, by the way. I kept I that very anything, clean. But you've uh, you've definitely given me some thoughts. But I've seen all the pictures out there, the headline with Khaleesi and Jon Snow. So I have a feeling I know where this is going. But right now, for me, where I'm at right now on the show, five and a half seasons in, for me, the Bucks. I'd have to call my my Stannis Baratheon. Wow. And you're literally only doing that because their banner is a stack, look much like a buck. That's actually not why I'm doing it, but right now, I think where I'm at in the show, with Stannis is gathering his army to go and take on the Lannisters um, at King's Landing. I mean, they're just solid. I think they're one of the best team. I think they are the best team in the East. Looks like nobody's going to be able to stop them, but, I mean, the Celtics might be able to do that in round two, but right now, for me, where I'm at in Game of Thrones, the Bucks, Stannis Baratheon, they got a strong army building. They've been through a lot. They've got a great player. An MVP in Giannis, I think, is a great leader like Stannis is. So that's where I'm at Game of Thrones comparison-wise right now with the Bucks. All right, well, I'm going to keep them as my Jon Snow, and the Celtics are going to be my Daenerys and the Targaryens. I think they have the dragon firepower there. They have all the players, all that. I'm not going to ruin anything for you, but there's going to be a time where Jon Snow and Daenerys are going to have to make some decisions based on this last episode. And I think that's a, that representation of the Celtics, Bucks potential second-round matchup is very interesting. We're going to move back into more analysis. But if you have a Game of Thrones reference you want to toss in there, whose house you think is who in terms of NBA teams, let us know. Like I said, we're on Instagram and all their platforms. But let's go to the West. We saw some big things happen in the West. And that mostly is surrounding the Warriors-Clippers series. Down 31, the Clippers win. I understand that early in the first quarter, so early in the first quarter, Marcus Cousins clearly didn't have that much of an impact if they were up 31 without him at one point. But he tears his quad. He's done for the postseason. Kevin Durant fouls out. This team, to me, is very mentally weak. But let's start off with the Marcus Cousins injury. Torn quad. He's about to be a free agent. Really poor timing if you're him. Yeah, I mean, looking at DeMarcus Cousins, you know, when he went, originally went to the Pelicans, I think the first thought was, you know, what kind of front court is going to be able to compete with Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins? And when he missed that free throw and tore his Achilles, it was, it was just, it was sad because DeMarcus Cousins is such a great player, but that kind of injury, such a long rehab, you never know if a guy's going to get back. And he finally got a chance when he signed with the Warriors. I mean, I know he didn't play like the whole first half of the year, but 
tearing his quad right now at just the most inopportune time. Because it wasn't to say that he was going to stay with the Warriors, but he's a guy who might have one more big deal left in him. But right now, any other team out there, I mean, a big man who's had two severe injuries to his legs, as good as he is, it's a, it's a tough blow, and he hate to see it from anybody, um, but especially a guy as talented as DeMarcus Cousins. So I don't... I don't really think this is going to have an impact on the Warriors. Um, you know, they've been a great team before KD, when KD came, before Cousins came. But this is a big deal for him. Um, he's going to need to get healthy and prove himself again, which is something that he was already well on his way to doing. But this is a, a big blow to his career. I don't think it'll have a, a real big impact on the rest of the playoffs. You know, I think the Warriors are the best team in the league still. But, yeah, this was a, this was a tough blow for him. And, you know, I hope he recovers, but that it's going to be a tough road. I, I think there's a lot going on here, and KD fouling out was another issue. I mean, you blow a 31-point lead, that's absolutely absurd. Being the number one team in the NBA, I think they're mentally fragile this year. And I know I'm the number one person in saying I don't know if they could ever lose with this team in the postseason, but Clay Thompson's going to be a free agent. Kevin Durant's going to be a free agent. DeMarcus Cousins going to be a free agent. They've got a lot of money shelled into Draymond Green. They're thinking a lot, and I don't think there's room to think. We've seen them down 3-1. We've seen them losing more often this year than we have in years past, and I'm not one to say the regular season is telling of a postseason ever. Watch out. And you made this argument last year when you picked the Rockets, but I think the Rockets have a shot. I think the Bucks and the Celtics could maybe make a little bit of noise if they get to the finals. You don't know what else they have here. I think running into Portland, OKC, these are teams that are going to physically drain them, and they're already mentally weak. So if you take out their mentality and their physicality, this is the recipe for disaster, and it's also really telling because if they are to lose – I'm willing to say that at least two of the three who are becoming free agents will no longer be Golden State Warriors come the 2019-2020 NBA season. Yeah, I mean, the mentally weak thing, I think, you know, if a team as good as the Warriors have been over the past five years, as fans, we're always looking for reasons and ways to tear them down because that's really the only thing that you can do with a team that's on top. So, you know... all the headlines and everything that surrounds them, I think it's always kind of a bigger deal because we're just looking for reasons, you know, to make it seem like they're not going to win the NBA championship again. But say what you want about Kevin Durant. Used to be my favorite player, you know, a few years ago before the whole hoopla with the Warriors and all him talking to the media all the time, just being all sorts of butthurt. But, I mean, Kevin Durant, you know, won the NBA Finals MVP, proved that he could play in the big time and is every bit worth the money that the Warriors are paying him. Um, so I don't think it'll be a problem. I think the Rockets are going to give him a fight in the second round, but I just don't think it's going to be enough. And the Warriors, to me, I think they're still going to march to the NBA Finals this year. I mean, it's hard to bet against them. I just have this weird err, just like I did when I woke up Wednesday before the Masters and picked Tiger in my pool. There's something telling me that of the 16 teams in, we could be seeing a new team being the NBA champions. And I mean, let's think about this. The Warriors, as unstoppable as they were before Kevin Durant, had a 3-1 lead over LeBron James. I know he had Kyrie Irving and a little bit of Kevin Love, but that's not a great team overall, and they were able to lose. Give it to another team this year. I'm kind of feeling it for the first time. No Warriors in the finals. 
no Warriors hoisting the championship banner come the beginning of next season. We see the Thunder down. I know we we were all on the Thunder when we had Jared on the show a couple weeks ago. They're really just they've been a disappointment. Who would, here's a good question, and we also want your input on this. Who would you rather start a team around right now, Wits? Would you rather start a team with Russell Westbrook or Damian Lillard? Wow, that's a great question. Um, Russell Westbrook, biggest stat machine in the NBA. He's a great player. But I think Damian Lillard, excuse me, Damian Lillard, I think has proven a lot of people wrong because he was always the guy. Portland's always making the playoffs. They're not really making any noise. Damian Lillard is a great player, but he's not in that upper echelon. I think he's starting to prove to some people that, you know, he is a top flight point guard in the NBA and might have what it takes, you know, given another superstar what it takes to win an NBA championship down the road. I'm not saying it's going to happen this year, but you had to give me one pick right now. I think I might take Lillard. I've always liked him. Um, and I think, you know, while Westbrook definitely puts up more stats, I think you know, he definitely handles the ball a little more and, and demands a little more action. Um, but I love Lillard, and I would, I would take him right now if he gave me the choice between the two. Well, I think what's interesting is they're both kind of in a similar situation, and the Trailblazers, Trailblazers are actually proven to be better. So you've got Lillard and you have Westbrook, arguably the two guys that are going to have the ball in their hand most of the time. And then the Thunder of PG-13 and C.J. McCollum for the Blazers. It's clicking better with C.J. and Damian Lillard. It's not all about Damian having the ball all the time. CJ's somebody who can create. I know they have players down low, although there have been some injuries, so you would think that Thunder could capitalize, but they haven't been able to. Uh, But PG and Westbrook, as fun as it is to see them light up the scoreboard, it just isn't clicking, and it just doesn't seem to click with big stars joining Russ Westbrook. And I'm not saying KD joined him. But it just, they separated. PG-13 and him don't seem like they can pull together when it comes to playoff time. So it'll be interesting to see. I'm kind of leaning towards Damian Lillard as well. It'd be fun to see them move on. They'd play the Denver Nuggets or the San Antonio Spurs, which is not up 1-1, which we said would be probably the best series, one that would probably go to seven games. And Popovich is coaching his way holding Murray down. He was 0 for 10 to start the game last night, or Tuesday night. Um, but they pull it off. It's 1-1 going back to San Antonio. Any input you have about this series, I think it's going to drain on both teams, but it's definitely going to be the most exciting series we get in the Western Conference. Yeah, I mean, the Spurs, I think, should absolutely have a 2-0 lead in this one, and Blue one of the biggest deficits that Greg Popovich has ever seen. And he was, that post-game interview, he was pretty pissed, and rightfully so. I mean, there was no reason that the Spurs should have lost that game. Um, but even though this is a 2-7 matchup, you know, I thought the Nuggets were going were gonna to win beforehand. But it's a, I think it's a lot closer than people thought. I mean, the Spurs, you know, probably the most battle-tested team in the NBA over the past 20 years, looking at how much success they had with, Tim Duncan and with David Robinson, Manu Ginobili, Tony Parker, um, and even with Kawhi Leonard, you know, they're a team that no matter who's on there, as long as you have Pop, you know, leading the troops to battle, I mean, they've been a team that's done exceptionally well over the past few years. And I think they're going to give a nugget to fight. But this was a, it was a big game that they blew um, in game two here. Now they go back home for two games, playing Thursday and Saturday. But a 2-0 lead, I mean, in a seven-game series, that's big stuff. And now it's, uh, like you said, it's going to be a dogfight. 
No, absolutely. And I think, like you said, 2-0 lead, especially taking both of them on the road, that might have just nixed the Nuggets right there. But you still have Popovich. You still evened it up in terms of the fact that they're going to have the home field advantage has shifted at this point. Um, it'll be interesting to see. You sound like you're on the Warriors, but if you could pick anybody else to win the NBA championship, East or West, which direction do you think you find yourself going? I think out of all the teams, I think the best team in the East right now is the Bucks, And I think they're better than any team in the West, so I'd have to take them. But like I said before, if the Boston Celtics upset the Bucks in the second round, I wouldn't fall out of my chair. But another team that I'm looking at, I don't know if there's any team that has you know, a starting lineup quite like the 76ers. You're looking at Embiid, Ben Simmons, Tobias Harris, and Jimmy Butler. I mean, if they were able to click and stay hot throughout the entirety of the NBA playoffs, I mean, they're going to be a very tough team to beat as well. So, honestly, if I'm looking at a team besides the Warriors, I'm looking to the East because I think by the time that Golden State gets through the West, I don't think it's going to be that challenging for them. Um, like I said, the Rockets might be able to give them a tough series, but that series against the Jazz is not over yet. So I'm looking at a team in the East. Um, you know, if the Bucks are able to destroy the Pistons and get past the Celtics pretty easily, you know, I, I could see the Eastern Conference Finals being pretty unexciting um, if the Bucks play up to their capabilities because there's, there's no guarantee that the 76ers are going to get out of the first round either. I mean, I think the Nets have surprised a lot of people so far. So if I'm looking at one team, i got to take the Bucks. They've been the best all year. They've got an MVP candidate on their team. Got a lot of people to surround him. Um, and I think they're, they kind of remind me of a better version of the Lakers. You know, you've got a guy like LeBron and Giannis, who both are MVP candidates, but you got a lot of better you got a lot better supporting cast in Milwaukee, which is one of the reasons I think they had such a successful year and the Lakers didn't. So I'm looking at the Bucks as my team, um, you know, to take home the title, you know, where the Warriors not to do it again this year. Well, we're a show about odds and lines, so I'll give it to you real quick. Current odds, Golden State 5-8, to eight, still just no value if you're looking to take that. I mean, the risk there as well is you're just, you have to risk so much money to even come away with a profit. The Bucks are right behind with 9-2, with Houston 15-2. We finished off 15-1, the Raptors 18-1, the Celtics. Then the rest of the field drops below 40-1, and that starts with the 76ers. That value that I'm saying for the Celtics, and I know you picked the Bucks as the team that you think would be the winning team if it weren't the Warriors. I think you gotta rip the Celtics. 18 to 1, better odds than Tiger winning the Masters. If I had a pretty penny to spend, I kinda wanna rip it on the Celtics. In fact, I'm gonna do it here on the opening line. Text sent to the bookie. Give me the Celtics, 18 to 1 to win the NBA championship. I think it's gonna it's gonna prove to be very valuable. But enough about the NBA today. We're gonna have a whole lot of NBA for the next two months. If you've ever listened to our show, and I'm more speaking about the Sporting Edge, where me and Wits started off on, there's nothing that riles up Wits more or gets Wits more excited than Major League Baseball power rankings, and we're totally gonna let him do it on this show. But in order for Wits to do the MLB Power Rankings, he has to do one of my Power Rankings first. This one, we're going to start off easy for him. I think it's going to be a fun one for our listeners because we're all into beautiful people, whether it's a man or it's a woman. 
But I'm going to have Wits right here on the opening line give me his power ranking of his favorite Kardashians or most attractive Kardashians to him and what his style is. He knows the five names. To get to MLB power rankings, he has to just go one through five. Give me the five Kardashians. Who is your favorite? Who is the most attractive to you? Oh, man, this is... This is tough stuff, Roz, for me to even know their five names first, but uh, I'll try to... It all starts with Case, so that's pretty easy for you. Yes, that's pretty easy. Uh, Number one, I have to go with Kim. Wow. I think that's a cop-out. It it might be a cop-out, but Kim, she's been around a long time, Um, and I'm going to have to go with uh, Kendall. Kendall number two. That's respectable. I think Kendall is the most attractive to me. She's a model. She's the most... Gold driven. I know they're all gold driven, but to me, she's she's a little more self made. There wasn't a tape that needed to start it all off, but uh, keep, keep going. We're at Kim and Kendall. Uh, hey, Kim and Kendall. Then I'll go with uh, I'll go with a tie for number three. No, no cop. There's no ties on the MLB power ranking. Give me uh, three. I'll, I'll take. Uh, I'll go with Caitlin. I think Kate, Caitlin and Courtney. I think are pretty close for me. You know, Caitlin is Bruce Jenner. Oh, who am I thinking of? You meant, you meant Kylie. <laughs> Kylie, yeah, my bad. Got wow, that's, that's a Not, sound bite and a half right there. I don't keep up with the Kardashians too often. Then I believe the last one is is Chloe. Um, so there, there's my five. Now that uh, I'm done being all uncomfortable with the Kardashians. Well, let me just give them the recap. We have Kim, Kendall, Kylie, Courtney, Chloe. So that's a nice, I like that five. I like that ranking. They're all beautiful. They're all talented in their own rights and reality superstars and major moguls. This is, that's just the first of our power rankings. Give us your Kardashians in order. Wits, now let's get to your power rankings. Absolutely. This is my favorite time of the year because this is the one big shifter each week is in the MLB power rankings. And we've had a pretty exciting season so far. Um, a lot of teams that not a lot of people expected to be up near the top are there right now. I'm looking at two teams, one in the NL East, excuse me, the, the AL East, one in the NL West. AL West, I, I'm getting these all confused. I got but, you I got you all rattled with the Kardashians. Now you're just thinking about them. My brain is mush. I'm trying to get back into baseball mode. But, Roz, has any team in the MLB been more impressive so far than the Tampa Bay Rays? Um, and I say that that – you know, the Red Sox haven't looked good. The Yankees haven't looked good. And the Rays have built themselves a pretty nice lead right now in the AL East. I mean, there's not a team in the AL East besides the Rays that is over 500 right now. The Yankees are five and a half back at seven and nine. You got Baltimore and Toronto, seven and 11. You've got the Red Sox playing some just disgusting baseball. And I'm looking at you, Chris Sale. The Velo is down. He's getting hit hard. He's 0 and 4. Very tough start for him. But the Tampa Bay Rays have been unbelievable. Um, you know, they play the Red Sox six times for the end of the months, of the end of the next couple months. So I think they've got quite the opportunity here to build an even bigger lead in the AL East. And, you know, with two teams that I, that I thought were the best two teams in baseball, in the Yankees and the Red Sox. Um, but pitching, you know, Luis Severino looks like he's not going to even pick up a baseball for the next five weeks. So I think that's, a lot of cause for concern for the Yankees. I know James Paxton, Paxton pitched unbelievably well last night. I think it's seven innings, 13 or 14 strikeouts. He was absolutely on fire. So the Tampa Bay Rays, led by Blake Snell, I mean, they're a team to look out for in the playoffs this year. Number three, I'm looking at the Seattle Mariners. 
Um, you know, it was it was a bad weekend for Seattle. I mean, they started off the season hot in Japan, but they're still 13 and seven. Um, and while they aren't the Astros, who are at number two right now, I mean, I think this is a playoff team. You know, you look at the AL West. Um, you've got Texas, Oakland, and the Angels behind the Mariners and the Astros right now, who I think are all decent teams. I think the AL West is going to be a tough division this year, but the Mariners have really been playing some great baseball. Um, they're a team I'm looking out for. Then, you know, my, my last team I want to talk about before we kind of get back into action here is the Philadelphia Phillies. Even with Aaron Noah just pitching absolutely terrible, um, Zach Eflin, Nick Pavetta, this Phillies team is going to be a team to look out for because not only do they have Bryce Harper, JT Real Muto, and a couple other huge bats in that lineup with Reese Hoskins, if their pitching staff gets it together, I think they're I think they're the favorites in the NL East right now. I know that they kind of faltered at the end of last year, but looking at the Braves, Mets, Nationals, you know, not very impressive so far. They're all hanging around 500, and then you've got the Marlins, you know, bringing up the end of the train. But the Phillies have been extremely impressive to me so far. Um, I think that they're a team that I'm looking out for to make a deep run in the National League this year. Can you imagine if somebody told you 10 years ago that the Rays, Astros, Mariners, Phillies, Brewers would be the top five in the power rankings? And I know Blue Bloods isn't so much a thing in baseball as it is in the NCAA, but you don't have the Cardinals, you don't have the Yankees, the Red Sox, you don't have... The I don't even know if the Mets qualify. I'm trying to think. Like, the Braves were great in the early 2000s. The Dodgers aren't even in. The Giants. All these teams that we've seen competing in in October and in the postseason, winning World Series. This is why baseball's so fun. It's the most unpredictable. And the way the season start isn't always how it finishes, but it's fun because it gives you hope for at least your teams. Like, the Tampa Bay Rays, 13-4, and four, unbelievable. For them to be number one, that's incredible because of the fact that they're in this division with the Yankees and the Red Sox, who are supposed to be the two dominant teams in all of Major League Baseball. So we'll see how that all turns. I know that the Rays and Red Sox are going to meet six times before the end of the month. An interesting one that I see at eight wits that we we talked about the AL East, but we should talk about the NL East. The Braves nine and three in April, nine and seven overall. They've moved up six spots in your favorite power rankings, and they're now number eight. And your Mets are in this division. The Phillies you just mentioned, and the Nationals who still have a rotation that is that is incredible and is going to compete in most games. This NL East is crazy, and sitting there at nine is the Mets. Four is the Phillies and the Nationals at 13. That's going to be a tough division to get past if you're any team. Yeah, I mean, the thing that stands out to me with the NL East is the starting pitching. You know, in, in a league in, in Major League Baseball where starting pitching seems to get less and less important each year because, you know, back in the days, you know, when you had, you know, relievers were the worst pitchers on the team because they're the guys who couldn't crack the starting lineup. You had guys... It wasn't a big deal when a guy went out and pitched a complete game. But now, you're lucky if your starters are going six innings, five innings. It's a completely different game out there with, you know, relievers throwing. Every reliever is throwing in the high 90s unless, you know, you're the Chicago Cubs. Um, but, you know, looking at the NL East on Philly, you've got Nola, Eflin, Pavetta, the Braves. You've got, I was going to start off with the guy who just got sent down the minors, Sean Newcomb. Um I think he's going to be back up. You got Mike Fulton Evich, who's coming off the DL. You got Julio Tehran, who is, you know, now he's a veteran. I remember a couple of years ago, it seemed like he was 20 years old, but he's been up for a while. In the Mets, you got DeGrom, Syndergaard, 
Steven Matt, Zach Wheeler, the Nationals. You've got Corbin, Scherzer, and Strasburg. So, you know, even though starting pitching I don't think plays as big of a role as it used to in Major League Baseball, this is still going to be a very tough division with all those guys at the top of the pitching staffs. So the NL East, I think, is going to be the most fun division to watch. So I think you've got four very evenly matched teams with a lot of offensive firepower as well. Um, but, rather, I think we'd be remiss to not bring up our Chicago Cubbies right now, who, as bad as they started, they've gotten a little better. And they're in the midst of a nice stretch, Marlins and I'm um, space Diamondbacks. Then they need to at least pick up four wins in this stretch just to prove they're not they're not bad. Right, and I'm actually going to see Cubbies Diamondbacks this Sunday on Easter Sunday, 120 start. Very excited about that. But Raz, you know the Cubs, they've been they've been hard to watch. You Darvish, just not- praising. Well, you should praise him. He got his first win. I'm I'm excited. That's turning over the win. new page. Yeah, hopefully he's turning the first win since last May. I mean, the stuff I saw early in, you know, basically this whole year from you, Darvish, is nothing has really changed. And, you know, all I'm seeing from the Central right now is that the Brewers are going to be a tough team to beat. I mean, Christian Yelich hits a home run every day, and he's torching the division rival Cardinals right now. So, right now, for me, the Brewers are the clear number one in the Central. And then looking at the West right now, Roz, um, I'm not surprised by the Dodgers being on top, but I am surprised that the Colorado Rockies are sitting at six and twelve right now. Um, Charlie Blackman, you know, I think is a big cause of this hitting two thirty right now. There's a guy who was basically got three hundred thirty homers, hundred RBIs, one of the best leadoff hitters in baseball. They just haven't been getting it done. And the, the San Diego Padres right now sitting in second place at 11 and 8. They've been playing some good baseball, but I don't think any of these teams can really compete with the Dodgers. I thought it was going to be the Rockies and there's still plenty of time left. You know, let's not let's not kid that 20 games in the season kind of is a tell all about what's to come. But for me, the Dodgers and the Brewers right now, I don't see them losing their respective divisions. Um, you know, if you told me that the Cubs would come back and win, if you told me that you know, the Padres came back and won the NL West. I wouldn't be super surprised, but I just don't think they have the firepower. But, Roz, looking at the AL Central, I think people are getting real tired of the Cleveland Indians, and it seems like they're getting a little tired of themselves right now because two-time MVP candidate Jose Ramirez can't hit a baseball if his life depended on it. They're struggling right now, even at 10-7. and I think, I think the Minnesota Twins are a team to look out for in the AL Central, I think they're going to they're going to surprise a lot of people, and I think a lot of people bet on them preseason to win this division because as good as Cleveland can be, I think they're dealing with some injuries right now, and they also didn't really make a big push in the off season to compete when they definitely had the pieces to. I mean, they let go of Michael Brantley, who signed on with what I think is the most talented team in baseball in the Houston Astros, didn't really make any other moves. Um, so for me, the Cleveland Indians, I think they need to pick it up because I know they're 10-7 and 7 right now, but the Minnesota Twins are going to surprise a lot of people, and they're going to be able to beat up on a weak division that you know has the Tigers, the White Sox, and the Royals you know, bringing up the back end of that thing. So I think that's going to be an interesting matchup to watch, but I, I think you know we'll see the Yankees and Red Sox eventually turn it around, but we'll be too late with the Rays. You know, If they get out to such a hot start, being down 10 games in May – it's not very much fun, and it puts a lot of pressure on you. But 
you know, looking at, I want to go over some of the home run leaders so far because there are six individuals in the league right now that have more home runs than the Detroit Tigers do <laughs> combined as a team. Chris Davis, not the one in the Orioles, but congratulations to For Chris Davis. First hit. First got his first hit last weekend. He, uh, I forgot if it was 0 for 54, 53, but broke the record for hitless at bats. Finally hit his first dinger, got his first couple RBIs. But Chris Davis on the A's leading the league in home runs. Um, you got Cody Bellinger, Kristen Yelich, Jay Bruce, Marcelo Zuna, Dark Horse MVP candidate, and Jock Peterson. So those guys are beating the Detroit Tigers in home runs right now. We only have seven so far this year. Wow. Well, you know what you need to do to Detroit. Pick it up. Uh, at least go until you collapse. Wink, anybody see what I did there? Uh, Wits, we're going to do a parlay for you. I'm going to need you to set this up. You're going to pick the teams. What we're going to do, three divisions in each league. I need you to parlay all the division winners. So from this point right now, what do you see or who do you see being each division winner? We'll start with the AL. We'll start with the AL East specifically, but we're going to parlay these three. I would suggest everyone listen to the show, take Wits' word, go to the bank and deposit that slip. Give me the AL East, Wits. AL East, I'm taking the New York Yankees. Going down to the Central, I'm going to take the Twins. Then going down to the West, I'm going to take the Astros. So two pretty chalky picks, and I'm going to take the Twins as the underdog there. I'm liking I'm liking that pick. Now, Wits, head over to the National League. We've got the NL East to start, and this is tough. we got four teams fighting for this one. It's very tough, but I'm going to stick with my word. I'm going to go with the Phillies. Going down to the Central, I'm taking the Brewers, and I think in what will be the biggest division win um, will be the L.A. Dodgers in the West. You heard it here. We parlayed the NL and the AL. Which I think I, I think I gave you a great amount of time on the Major League Baseball. You're kind of like a dog. I have you on a leash for a little while, and I start to let it go when we start talking about Major League Baseball. But then you just you find a squirrel and you run with it here and there. But it's the takes that are important, and the takes that are going to help these uh, fans make the right picks when it comes to going to the bookie. Any parting words, any sports news stories going on, anything else going on in your life you'd like to uh, bestow our fans, let them hear? Um, I just say just start watching Major, Major League Baseball and don't stop until October. It's my one word of advice. Absolutely. So this is the opening line. We are on all platforms. We are on YouTube. Line. We are on iTunes, Spreaker, Spotify, anywhere you find podcasts. We're most accessible on Instagram, DMing us at our Instagram handles. We don't usually have a page for the show. Believe Network has been so generous having us on. Go check them out at Believe.com. We've got an interview coming up this week with Darian from MTV, another MTV person to give us his sports takes as well as help give you guys some insight on what it's like to be a reality TV star. It's been an absolute pleasure to, to be here today, Wits. It's been fun. It's been sunny. My back is hot. That's where the window is facing. Um, and we're going to get back to them next week. Say your goodbyes, Wits. All right, everybody. Have a great week. We'll be here next week, same time, same station. Absolutely. And uh, we appreciate all the early support. We hope to see you keep growing. Thank you all. Have a fantastic rest of your day and be sure to follow us on the opening line. We definitely appreciate it. Bye-bye, everybody.
Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.